good now. <laughs> Thank you. Let me first of all thank Pastor Bow for uh, this invitation to come and share with you today. I have him in my prayers, and we're praying for a very rapid, quick recovery. Um, I don't necessarily know you, but I've been affiliated with Ebenezer for many, many years. And Dr. Lynch's father has been a very good friend, a social activist, and a prophetic voice um, for many, many years, when I was in seminary, he, we invited him to come down and help get things in order. And he did that in a very awesome way. And his son is picked up and done a marvelous job. And now to be here with you and Pastor Bauer, I consider a real privilege because of the connections, the evolution and the growth and what it is that you represent and what you stand for in this day and in this time. As it was mentioned in the introduction, I spent most of my life in the struggle for justice um, and I think I've gotten older in that particular struggle. Um, and it's amazing after we made so significant and meaningful changes over the years, we find ourselves back where we are because of a twice impeached, defeated president who overtly came out with his racism and it seems like America was sitting back waiting for a leader. But you know, it's much more difficult to take something from somebody that they earn than it is when they don't have it. And all I'm saying is we ain't going backwards. That's for sure. And it's not so much because we're losing, but because we're winning. We're progressing. And uh, the future in spite of our difficult circumstances, looks bright for us. And we should not get discouraged. We should not feel depressed about what's going on because the same God that delivered us yesterday is still in the delivering business right now. 
So I am, I'm glad to be here and I'm absolutely fascinated by this church. I love this facility and you look like you are involved in ministry. And that's what it's really all about. I still believe the black church can, will be God's way of saving us and continuing to make it way. He did it before, he's doing it right now, and our young people need to know he will do it tomorrow. Amen. So I'm glad to be here. I'm, in fact, I'm glad to be anywhere. Uh, but I'm just really glad to be here. Um, and again, um, I pray for your pastor, who is a, a very awesome leader. And y'all on target. You on target as to what the church ought to be and where the church ought to be going. You are a very excellent example. So thank you for accepting me today and being here. I'm retired now, but in many ways, I feel like I'm equally as busy, and that's a good thing. I'm a psychotherapist, psychoanalytic psychotherapist by training, and um, that's pretty much what I'm doing now. Still working with the uh, Poor People's Campaign, and we got a big demonstration plan for um, uh, June 17th and 18th. And I certainly wanna invite all of you to be a part of that. We need that struggle uh, demonstration in Washington, D.C. Um, on the 17th and 18th. And let's continue to pray for Dr. Barber, who has done a, and continues to do a marvelous uh, work in leading um, our people, um, keeping us in the struggle for freedom and liberation. Amen? As I thought about where we are right now, um, this text um, came back to me that all of us know and we probably recited it um, at the dinner table when our parents um, required us, at least I know in my house, to recite a Bible verse before we ate dinner. And to get to the food quickly, we learned the shortest verse in the Gospels. Jesus wept. <laughs> and that's what I want to talk about this morning. Jesus wept. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Saint, uh, Gospel of St. John, chapter 11, verse 34. It has been many years um, since I visited Central America with an ecumenical uh, group of religious leaders 
to investigate U.S. war crimes in Nicaragua. I encountered hundreds of victims of war whose lives were left in desperation, depression, and despair. And while I was in Nicaragua, I met with a group of mothers known as the mothers of the martyrs of heroes who represented a Christian-based community that ministered to bereaved families who had lost innocent loved ones to various assassinations, death squads, right-wing armies, in order to intimidate and frighten the people. They ministered, the mothers ministered to turn grief into strength, despair into hope, pain into power, and sorrow into serenity. At the Christian-based community, which was a new model for the church in Latin America, one of the mothers told me about a very disappointing experience that they had following a visit from the Pope. They had worked for many weeks, spent a lot of money that they did not have, and made many sacrifices to prepare for the Pope's coming. They wanted everything to be in order. After he arrived and had several masses with the people, the mothers of the martyrs presented to him a list of names for the Pope to pray for and their families. To their surprise and disappointment, instead of praying, they received a harsh scolding. The Pope refused to pray for their innocent dead because the church had embraced liberation theology and was trying to liberate the poor and end their suffering. Then an older woman said to me, when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. My brothers and sisters, our world today is full of grieving tears. Over the past several years, our nation and world continues to be full of pain and suffering due to COVID-19, now a monkey virus, war, crime, white nationalism, white supremacy, and hate crimes that have left our nation and world traumatized in pain. Yet, we are living in a time when a lot of people are void of tears. There is a lack of compassion, caring, and concern for hurting people. We are so detached, too separated, estranged, and alienated from each other 
that we cannot feel other people's hurts. Do I have a witness? People have become too cruel, callous, and cold to feel, weep, and be empathic with other hurting people. Individual rights have taken over human rights. We know how to hate, discriminate, and dehumanize, but we don't know how to cooperate. There is a cloud of meanness mania hanging over the nation. Instead of, uh, of being concerned about the poor, the elderly, women, youth, people of color, uh, gays, diverse religious persuasions, immigrants, in short, the least, the less, the lost, the last, and the unlucky. There is greater hostility, hatred, intolerance, selfishness, greed, racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia toward the least of these. Acts of compassion are viewed with contempt. And some of the best sellers on the bookshelves a few years ago were looking out for number one. How to say no without feeling guilty and how to be your own best friend. We live in a time when me, myself, I, and mine is all that seems to matter. But I'm convinced that COVID-19 will be with us for a long time until we realize that we are all our brothers and sisters keepers. Nothing will change for the better until we shed some tears for our human plight. But I'm so glad this morning, the most Jesus, the most human among us heard that his trusted and loyal friend Lazarus was dead when he heard that Lazarus was dead, Jesus wept. The Greek implies that Jesus just did not cry, but he cried profusely. Lazarus was a special friend to Jesus. He was one of the few friends that Jesus trusted. When Jesus needed to be incognito, Lazarus offered Jesus his home. When uh, Jesus needed fellowship, Lazarus and his family was there for him. When Jesus needed someone to confide in, Lazarus listened. When Jesus was exhausted and weary from doing ministry, Lazarus offered him rest. 
when Jesus heard that his friend Lazarus was dead, according to the record, Jesus wept. Jesus' capacity to cry, to express emotion publicly especially, is encouraging to us. I'm so glad that the Apostle John recorded Jesus crying in the midst of a cold, callous, and unempathic environment. Jesus, who was the Son of God, abandoned his divine status and glory and put on our fleshly humanity to know our pain, our struggles, and our suffering is crying. Jesus, who can make nature's fierce winds be still, is crying. Jesus, who sets the captives free, who loves, forgives, and shows mercy to sinners, is crying. Jesus, who could turn water into wine, heal the blind, make the lame walk, and give dignity to outcasts, is crying. So that when Jesus heard that his good friend, his best friend Lazarus is dead, Jesus wept. Now, the sensitivity of Jesus reminds us that there is strength in crying. Do I have a witness? There is power in weeping at the right time. There is authority in love and respect in caring. My good friend and pulpiteer, Dr. Charles Adams has said that crying comes with the territory of being human. Only those who have grown cold, indifferent, mean, and too insensitive to feel do not cry. Our culture with its macho myths encourage men to hide their tears and hide their feelings because men are not supposed to cry. Then you wonder why we have so many strokes and heart attacks. But I want to say to you this morning that if you do not have anything to hide and nothing to prove, if you know who you are and you're not ashamed of who you are, if you feel confident within yourself, crying at the right time is a sign of strength and power. There is nothing more disparaging than to love somebody who cannot love you back who cannot feel, and who cannot weep with you when you hurt. I'm so glad this morning Jesus was manly enough 
secure enough, strong enough to cry when he heard that Lazarus was dead. Now, during my visit to Central America, I encountered death, despair, and a lot of grief. Almost everyone I met seemed to have a tear in his or her eye, which was symbolic of the pain and sorrow that folk were suffering from within. They were denied the abundant life. They had experienced all kinds of violence. They were struggling to affirm their humanity again. They wanted to feel human again. Jesus crying in the Gospels is similar to God crying in the Old Testament. The prophet Jeremiah, for instance, cried over the nation of Judah. He was often called the weeping prophet. But what they don't tell us is that when prophets cried in the Old Testament, they symbolized the crying of God. Help me, Holy Ghost. The Jewish rabbi, Abraham Hessel, who marched with Dr. King, reminded us that prophets cry because they can feel the pain in the heart of God. And that's what it really means to be prophetic, that you feel uh, that you can uh, experience the pain in God's heart. Prophetic tears represent the pain in God's heart uh, that God feels with hurting people. Now, I know that we often talk about God as being all-powerful, beyond the beyond, etc., but sometimes we fail to mention that in spite of God being greater than the greater, more powerful than the powerful, more distant and transcendent, yet God is loving enough to feel our hurt, know our pain, and identify with our suffering. That's what makes God so great. God is a feeling God and as well as a all-powerful God. Do I have a witness? Just as God cried over Israel, God is crying over all of us right now. God cries when he sees all the death in our cities because of gun violence. God is crying when God sees how black folk are being killed in churches, in grocery stores, on college campuses, in our own neighborhoods, and uh, driving, walking, and playing music while black by hate groups and law enforcement. God cries when he sees racist skinheads 
neo-Nazis and white supremacists go into temples, mosques, synagogues, and churches with assault weapons and kill innocent worshipers in cold blood. God cries when he sees children being separated from parents at the border and put into concentration camps. God cries when he sees how hatred, prejudice, and selfish greed led by a twice impeached president turned hearts of flesh into hearts of stone. God cries when he sees how anti-abortion advocates want to save a fetus or an embryo before birth, but support public policies that kill a baby after birth. If you're gonna be pro-life before birth, you ought to be pro-life after birth. God cries, I tell you, when he sees how our cities are decaying from unjust cutbacks so that we can build bigger bombs that kill people, God cries when he sees multinational banks and corporations making huge profits for themselves and their stockholders but give slave wages to their employees who work every day, but still have to apply for public assistance. God cries when he sees teenagers roaming the streets with nothing to do and nowhere to go. They have little knowledge in their heads, no skills in their hands, no faith in their hearts, and no hope in their souls. To paraphrase Dr. Adams again, God sees children you cannot punish because they never been praised. Children you can't discipline because they never been affirmed. Children you can't hate because they never been loved. Children you can't scare because they never been secure. Children you can't kill because they have never lived. Children you can't blame because they never been told you are somebody. And children you can't lock up because they have never been free. They don't have jobs. They have not, on, they're not on their way to college but yet they got guns. God cries when he sees how LBGTQ, the, that community, is being discriminated against, rejected and killed because they are different. God cries when he sees hungry, hopeless, and homeless uh, people dying in the streets. But I come by to tell you this morning, God is crying 
But when God cries, look out. God's tears, on the one hand, represent grace and mercy, but on the other hand, when God cries, justice will run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Watch out, God is crying. And when God cries, the humble will be exalted and the mighty will be debased. Watch out, God is crying. And when God cries, help me Holy Ghost, the eyes of the blind will be opened. The captives will be set free. The lame will be lifted up and walk. God will give hope to the hopeless, peace to the anxious, power to the powerless, and salvation to sinners. Watch out! God is crying. And when God cries, God's judgment is in order. Oh, my brothers and sisters, for many people in our world, the question is not, is there life after death? But is there life before death? And just as Jesus went to Bethany to offer Lazarus a new life, Jesus is standing with us today to offer us the abundant life. Do I have a witness? The West, this Western culture, which is built on values of selfishness, greed, and individualism, uh, has caused us to worship at the altar of materialism. And for many people, that's all that really matters. These values uh, affect all of us. Uh, my air condition went out uh, last week, and we, you know, with this 90 degree weather, uh, we've been burning up. But I grew up without an air condition, and I reverted back to my old ways of getting fans to help keep us a little cool, but I started thinking about how in the world did we survive without air conditioning? I was almost an adult when I experienced air conditioning on a daily basis. Sometimes uh, we forget from whence we have come, but come what may, we were able to get through the difficult times. And when folk told us we couldn't make it, somehow, by the grace of God, somehow, by his grace and mercy, somehow, God made a way. And we achieved all kinds of blessings with stumbling blocks in my way. A few weeks ago, I attended a conference on suicide. It blew my mind to see young children 
between the ages of 8 and 12 committing suicide. We never committed suicide before, but I think this thing of entitlement, not knowing struggle, not knowing how to make it, and giving our kids everything they want and more have removed them from trusting and depending on God to help them to get through tough times when tough times come. I love that quote I see regularly, that tough times don't last, but tough people do. But what they left out, tough people with faith make it through tough times. Well, let me hurry up and bring it to a close. I'm so glad that when Jesus stood before the tomb of Lazarus, he was human enough to cry for Lazarus, but God enough to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus was human enough to identify with us, but God enough to sit high and look low. Jesus was human enough to cry out on the cross, I thirst, I thirst, but God enough to feel a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Jesus was human enough, yes he was, to fall asleep in a boat, but God enough to say to the winds and the waves, Peace be still. Jesus was human enough to feel alone and forsaken on the cross, but God enough to put death on hold while he escorted a dying thief into heaven. Jesus was human enough, help me Holy Ghost, to uh, suffer on the cross, but God enough to end our suffering. Jesus was human enough to die on the cross, but God enough to rise up on Easter morning and declare all power is in my hands. Jesus was human enough to cry over Lazarus' death, but God enough to bring him back to life. Now, some years ago, I was in Bethany. I visited Lazarus' tomb. I went into the tomb. I couldn't understand because you had to go way deep down in the ground, cover a lot of steps to get to the grave. But I used to wonder how did Lazarus, wrapped up in cloth, get up those steps and come out of the tomb. Well, my sanctified imagination began to work with me. I think Lazarus somehow uh, came through those clothes and appeared just as he was before he died. 
I don't know. I wasn't there. But I know he couldn't walk up those steps wrapped in uh, uh, all, all those clothes. But I'm not surprised because when I think about it, Lazarus had escaped from this life. He was making his way down Hallelujah Boulevard. He had just crossed the river of life. He was making his way to the great white throne. Then all of a sudden, I heard Lazarus scream out in the midst of heaven. He may have been talking to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I heard, I heard Lazarus say, I got to go back. Hush everybody. Somebody is calling my name. And it sounds like Jesus. I love to stay here with you. I would love to stay right here. But somebody is calling my name. I got to go back. I heard, I heard Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth. I need a witness right now. I need somebody to be a witness. Lazarus, come on back. Well, Lazarus left heaven. He appeared back in Bethany. When they saw Lazarus, instead of thanking God, somebody wanted to kill him. But Jesus said, I give God the glory. God takes the glory. I don't care what you're going through. God will get some glory out of your life. Won't he do it? Won't he make a way? Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadow come? Why should my heart feel heavy and long for heaven above? I'm so glad his eye is on the sparrow. I know, I know, I know he watches me. I don't know how you feel this morning, but I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye. Don't you know what I'm talking about? His eye. His eye. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. 